When I study this passage of Scripture this week, and I, I get to, to reference it with Patty a lot, we debate it, we talk about it, we look at the Scripture. The Scripture is really exciting. I mean, it's good to read it. But some Scripture is tougher than other Scripture. I don't know if you notice that when you're studying and you're reading it. Some of it's a little harder to understand sometimes, and some of it's a little more difficult. And some of it's very pointed. Some of it's encouraging. Some of it uh, gives all kinds of issues. But I'm going to give you a, 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 a statement this morning. This scripture we're going to be in this morning is a warning, okay? And God's Word does often give us warnings. It does give us encouragement. It does give us strength. It does give us hope. But it also gives us warning. And this passage this morning is a warning-type scripture. So the title of the message is Preparation. And we'll be in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. That's going to be our our base scripture that we're going to open up this morning. And then I have a a second passage of scripture that's actually before that, that is Jesus talking that supports this passage as well. Now, I want you to, if you take notes, I've I've got three different areas that I want to focus on this morning. But I want to share some things with you, some life issue topics and some life issue things that we can talk about with preparation. And then we're going to dig into the scripture as well. And if you stay with me toward the end of this message, don't fall asleep. You'll pick up on what I'm trying to get across this morning, how we're going to open up the passage this morning. Have you ever wondered what God thinks about preparation? You ever thought about that? I mean, you think about preparation. You ever wonder what God thinks about preparation or the lack of preparation? You ever wondered about that? You ever thought about it? The Bible has a lot to say about preparation. Now, you think about it. We just went through the Christmas season. There was a significant amount of preparation that went into the fact of the arrival of Jesus Christ as an infant. Would you not agree? There was a lot of preparation. There was a lot of events that took place. God orchestrated a lot, but there was a lot of preparation that had to take place. Preparation with Mary and Joseph, the things that had to happen for them because of their situation, how they had to go, where the the Messiah was to be born. A lot of preparation went into this event that took place where Jesus came in as an infant. On several occasions, the Bible reinforces the importance of, and the need of preparation. It's a biblical issue. It's something that God orchestrated. It's something that God tells us to do. He wants us to be prepared. There's a, there's a need for proper preparation. It gives the results of the events that take place when we're prepared to do things. And it also gives the results of the events that take place when we don't prepare to do certain things. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Now I want you to think about this. Just a few life issues, a few life application issues. Think about this. Preparation is an event in our lives that occurs pretty much every single day. Every one of you prepared to come to church this morning, did you not? You had to pick out clothes. Or or Greg, did Carol pick yours out for you? Patty picks mine out for me. Y'all didn't know that, did y'all thought I could dress like this anyhow? But no, it's laid out exactly for me to, to be there. I can tie my own tie, but it's laid out for me the type I need. But we prepare to come to church. We prepare for life in various ways. We prepare for school because we want to get an education. We want to keep going, and, and, and we, there's things we have to do. We prepare for that. Amen? Y'all ever prepared for school? I'm still preparing for school. 
We prepare in various ways. We prepare for school because we're lifelong learners. We're preparing for, for the things that God has for us. Preparation for work because we have certain things that we have to do. We want to dress certain ways for work. We prepare because there's things that we got to do. We think about on Sunday evening all the events that are going to take place this week, how I'm going to prepare for what I've got to do this week. My calendar is filling up. I'm making preparation for that. All the things that I have to do, i got to get my mind in tune with preparation. The hours that some people prepare simply to go out to eat. Y'all involved in that? The hours, the time that's prepared. Where do you want to eat? I don't care. Where do you want to eat? Y'all ever eat there? Patty and I eat there a lot. But there's a lot of preparation that goes on in that. You're with me, right? You see what I'm talking about? Preparation. Because we're dealing with it every single day. Preparation to go on vacation because we need some relaxing time. Think about the hours that teachers put in preparing for their students. The time that they prepare for lessons. The time they prepare for, for preparation for classes. Let me just throw this one out. Sunday school teachers. How many of y'all Sunday school teachers? How many of y'all want to be Sunday school teachers? Let me tell you something. Patty, I don't know how many hours she spent this week preparing for a 30-minute Sunday school lesson with the lesson laid out in front of her. And she's digging and studying. I mean, Lord, it was exhausting me. But just think about the hours. And if you're a Sunday school teacher, you know what what I'm talking about. If you're a teacher, you know what I'm talking about. Let me ask you this. The question I want to ask you this morning is, are you preparing for eternity? And I can answer that question for you, and I'm going to answer it for you. The answer to that question is what? Yes. You're preparing for eternity. One way or other, we are all preparing for eternity. One way or other, we're doing things to prepare for eternity. That's the honest question. You and I are preparing for eternity. This morning, we're going to open up God's Word to a parable that Jesus gives us concerning the need for preparation. You know, I love parables, don't you? Jesus was so, so genuine. He, he was so smart, so complicated. He took stories and he broke it down for people in the times when they were living so that they would understand what he was trying to get across, the point he was trying to make. He used a, a parable, and this is a parable that we can look at. Now, let me tell you something. There's a reason he said that. But I want you to understand, I want you to comprehend how we apply that reason to our lives. The story that he told has significant issues, and I told you it was a warning. But if you are able, would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word? Starting in verse 1 of Matthew 25, says this, At that time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they didn't take oil with them, but the wise ones took oil in their flask with their lamps. When the groom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. In the middle of the night, there was a shout, Here's the groom, come out and meet him. Then all the virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise ones, Give us some of your oil, because our lamps are going out. The wise ones answered, No, there won't be enough for us and for you. Go instead to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. When they had gone to buy some, the groom arrived, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. 
Later, the rest of the virgins also came and said, Master, Master, open up for us. And he replied, Truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, be alert, because you don't know either the day or the hour. Pray with me, please. Father God, I ask that you bless the reading of your word. God, I ask that you cleanse me of every sin, cleanse me of every impurity. Father, I ask that you hide your servant behind the cross and allow me to deliver your message to your people. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. You may be seated. So this morning, we're going to talk about preparation and what the Bible says about it. Now, three points for you this morning, three areas that we're going to focus on in this passage of Scripture, and then we'll be finished with that. But the first one is the importance of preparation. The second one is the reason for preparation. And the third one is the results of preparation or the results of lack of preparation. In this passage of Scripture, we're going to open up each of these three areas about preparation and see what God is trying to tell us this morning. In our passage of Scripture this morning, the Bible notes that there were ten virgins. It also notes that these virgins were bridesmaids, and we'll refer to them as bridesmaids because that's what they were. They were there for the wedding banquet. They were there for the wedding feast. They all ten were preparing for the wedding. They all ten were there because they wanted to be part of the wedding celebration the groom had gone to the bride's house to get the bride and to bring her back to his house you what you see here is jewish custom this is the way these things took place in this particular time the bride would wait at her house until the groom and and members of the wedding party would come and get her and they would come back to the uh, groom's house for the wedding banquet and the wedding celebration it would take hours up to days to weeks for this celebration to take place but he would go and get her and bring her back now the distance between these two homes is not mentioned we don't know how long it was going to take we don't know the distance between that but we know the bible tells us that it was going to take a while because it was late into the night when he finally did return amen So stay with me and let's look at this. The groom had to go get the bride to bring her back because that was the custom. Now, the Bible is clear that all ten bridesmaids wanted to be part of the wedding banquet. They were all there. They all had been recruited to be bridesmaids. They all knew the groom. They knew the bride. They knew the couple. They were either related or just close friends. But they all ten knew them and they all wanted to be part of the celebration. Think about it. All ten wanted to be part of this celebration. This is where we're going with it. Now pay attention because they all wanted to be part of it. But what disqualified half of these bridesmaids from tending the banquet? What disqualified them? You say, well, they didn't have enough oil. But let's just look a little bit further. What disqualified them? Was it the fact that they didn't have their lamp? Because they were going to need lamp to illuminate the wedding. It's going to be late at night. It's going to last all night, the celebration. Was it because they didn't have their lamps? Well, the answer to that is obvious, no. They all had lamps. Every single one of them had their own lamps. They were, they were prepared with the lamps. Was it the fact that they had fallen asleep and they missed out on the groom? Well, the Bible tells us again that they all had fallen asleep. They were all exhausted because it took a, a long time for the groom to get back. So they had all fallen asleep. Half of the bridesmaids were disqualified from entering the wedding banquet simply because they were not prepared to go in to see the groom. 
They were not prepared. When you look at it, well, what made them not be prepared? They weren't prepared. Let's look at this. Preparation is extremely important with anything that we do that has any kind of value. Man, we got to be prepared for it. We got to be preparing for it. Let's look at a few things. We spend hours and hours preparing for the events of this world. Let me ask you this. How many hours do you think the University of Georgia football team spent preparing to play in the national championship game? William, you're the, you're the fine, uh, numbers guy. You see what I'm talking about? They, let's just say one. when we start with one season, they started in the spring. They spent hours in, in film study. They spent hours practicing. They spent hours in repetition. Not just the University of Georgia. Every single event team, every single college team that, that started a season did the exact same thing. They all had a target. They all said, we're gonna, if we're going to get to the prize, if we're going to get to the end, we've got to invest time. This is with any sports team, with any team. You look at it, it's local, high school, just eventful. We spend hours and hours and hours investing in certain things, and this could be pretty intense. I mean, you think about it, the things that you're involved in, it's eat, drink, sleep, whatever we're dealing with. Amen? It's all what we're talking about. Let me reinforce the fact that we need to be prepared for the return of Jesus Christ. We need to have the same intensity about Jesus returning as we do with these other worldly events that we focus on, the things that we focus on. Let me tell you something. You can be lackluster. You can just say, well, he's going to come. I'm saved. I'm ready to go. He's going to come at some point. But the thing is, we are not promised our next breath. And we're liable to go on and be with him before he comes, but he's going to come. That's the promise of God, that he is going to return to this earth to take his church home. And we don't know the day or the hour. Now, that's the thing. And we're gonna, I'm going to not step on any toes, but we're going to talk about Christians in just a second. And we're going to talk about it for over 2,000 years. The church has known that Christ is going to come back. He made it clear before he left. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, which he's talking about his followers. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will return to receive you to myself. So he's going to come back. He told us that. He's going today. He's going to come. Some people will go to be with Jesus before he returns. And we know that, man. We deal with death. It seems like too frequent. But we know that some people are going to go before he returns. And But we don't know the day and the time that he's going to return. We don't know the hour that he's going to return, and we're going to focus on that. So let's look at the second thing, the reason for preparation. According to Jesus, five of the bridesmaids were foolish, and five of the bridesmaids were wise. Now, Jesus is talking now. He calls five of these bridesmaids foolish. We don't want to be called foolish, especially by Jesus, do we? We want to be wise. We want to be wise. We want to make good decisions. We want to be wise. We want Jesus to talk about wise. We want to make good decisions. We don't want to make bad decisions. We don't want to make decisions that cause significant consequences in our lives. We want to make decisions that have positive effects on our lives. Five bridesmaids made the necessary arrangements to be, and were prepared for the time that the groom would arrive. No matter what the hour were. They were going to be prepared for when the groom were wise. Let's look at these things. They were present at the door of the banquet. They were ready to go in. They were at the front door. They were standing there they or sitting there or sleeping in front of the door. He wasn't going to get there without them knowing about it. They were present where they needed to be. They had their lamps and they had extra oil. Here's the significance of this. They had extra oil for their lamps. They wanted to make sure they were able to go into the wedding banquet. They wanted to make sure they were included in the events that were about to take place because this is a big deal. 
Man, this is a significant big deal. Church, let me tell you something. We want to make sure that when Jesus Christ returns to this earth to receive the church for himself, we want to make sure that we're included in that event. Amen? Amen. We want to make sure that we're found faithful in the charge that he's given us to do. We want to make sure that we're doing the things that he has told us to do. I'm moving on. Y'all with me so far? Let's look at the results. Preparation is critical. And it's essential. The parable that Jesus speaks about in Matthew 25, 1 through 13 serves as a warning for each of us. Let's look at this. God's word gives us instructions about how to live. He gives us direction. He gives us comfort. He provides comfort when we need it. He gives us, he loves on us. He gives us direction and he gives us wisdom. But he also gives us warning. He gives us instructions about the warning. He tells us what's going to take place. He tells us we have to be prepared. It's imperative that we do not wait to the last minute to be spiritually prepared. Now here's we're getting a little closer. Five of the bridesmaids had made adequate preparations for the return of the groom. They had their lamps and they had extra oil. Now let's look at this. This passage of scripture does not specifically interpret the meaning of the oil. But let me share with you. That it's a possibility this oil represents the work of the Holy Spirit. It represents the manifestation of the Holy Spirit inside of the believer. That's what it's talking about. There's a difference in just a believer versus someone who claims to be a believer. This is where it's separating the, the, the ten bridesmaids between people who claim to be believers and people who were believers. That's the difference in the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's part of salvation. It's more than just a, a profession of faith. When we ask for a profession of faith, it's when you're telling Jesus Christ you want him to come into your life. But you think about it, it has to be a change. There has to be a change of the heart. There's more than just saying a statement. There's more than just saying a prayer. There has to be a repentance issue. There has to be a change in the heart. There has to be a time when, when Jesus Christ was invited into the heart when the Holy Spirit came upon us because the Holy Spirit comes into believers. He doesn't come into non-believers. It has to be a regeneration by the Holy Spirit inviting him into the heart. It means turning the leadership of your life over to the power of God. Amen? Amen? Amen. That's what I'm talking about. It means a change from the old to the new. Those who merely claim to be Christians and claim to be saved and do not actually possess the Holy Spirit will be excluded from the feast, and that means the kingdom of God. That's what the Scripture is telling us. Man, it's, it's one thing to say I'm a Christian. It's one thing to profess it. It's one thing to say I'm saved. It's another thing to be saved. It's another thing to be a Christian. Church, in order to be included in the kingdom of God, there has to be a time in a person's life when they surrendered their life to Jesus those who fail to be ready when the king comes cannot enter the kingdom. Since the day and the hour of his return of unbelievers is unclear, we need to keep watch. Let me tell you something. Believers need to keep watch. That doesn't mean we're to sit idly by. There's no, no idleness in our lives. We need to, to be busy about God's work. We need to be busy about the things that he's given us to do. Church, we need to be busy about evangelism, and we need to be busy about disciple making. Y'all heard about that lately? That's what the church, the mission of God. Evangelism is not part of the church. It is the function of the church. You can't just attend a church. Evangelism is the function of the church. What it means is that we need to be alert and that we need to be ready and prepared. The Bible is clear that we do not know the day and time that Jesus Christ is going to return. The scriptures of Jesus Christ and the words of Jesus says this, and Jason's going to put this passage up on the scripture up on the board because this is the supplemental scripture. 
Matthew 24, verses 39 through 44 says this. This is Jesus Christ speaking. This is the way the coming of the Son of Man will be. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding grain with a hand mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Therefore be alert since you do not know what day your Lord is coming. But know this, if the homeowner had known the time the thief was coming, he would have stayed alert and not let his house be broken into. This is the way you are also to be ready because the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. He's coming back. And, and as Myron said, this world's in turmoil. It's almost like we should be come on, don't you, Brother Myron? I mean, it's kind of rough, isn't it? Maybe tomorrow, not today. Let me tell you something. It's something we have had to deal with this past year, and I've dealt with it recently. Death is the great equalizer. No matter how successful you are or how unsuccessful you are, death is the thing that always equalizes all the events of this world. Man, it, the Bible says we're, it's appointed unto every man wants to die, and then the judgment. It's a great equalizer. When I think about the eternal destinations that people face after this life, when I think about those two options that take place, I mean, and I think about it a lot, and I share with you, but I'm thinking about we're going to be in one of two places. When I think about it, I can't help but think about the differences between the two. The differences between these two destinations. There's one distinct difference between heaven and hell. And you say, well, Brother Kerry, there's a, a lot of differences between heaven and hell. There's a lot, but there's one distinct difference between heaven and hell. I say, you're right, there's a lot of differences. The Bible says that heaven is a place of beauty. It says it's a magnificent place. It's an awesome place. The mansions that we will live in with Jesus Christ and the scripture in John 14 too, Jesus says in my father's house are many mansions. There's, there's beautiful places to live. There's beautiful things about it. The Bible says there's gates covered with pearls and there's streets of gold. That's what scripture says. You believe in God's inspired word to be accurate 100% and true. It says that the gates are, have pearls on them and the streets are pure gold. The beauty and the splendor of heaven is beyond anything that we can imagine. The most beautiful thing that you can imagine on this planet, heaven exceeds that beyond what you can comprehend. It talks about how awesome heaven is. But let me tell you on the other side, the Bible is very specific when it describes hell as well. It states that hell is a place of torment, and it's very specific. It says in Scripture, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. It says where there is weeping and gnashing of the teeth. It talks about the torment in hell. The eternal destination of hell was originally designed for Satan and his demons. It wasn't created for mankind. We choose that. God doesn't choose that for us. It wasn't created for us. It was designed for Satan and his demons but let me tell you this hell is eternal and it's irreversible there's no do-overs there's no second chances there's no chance when you get there to say, Ooh, i didn't want to be here i'd like to make a, a change in my plans and my destination plans of all the things that are present in each of these destinations of all the different things that the bible describes between these two eternal destinations one difference stands out above the rest and that's the presence of the almighty god 
That is the presence of the Father. God is present in heaven. And when we get there, we're going to worship him continually. So that's what the Bible says. We're going to worship him. God is in heaven. And when we get there, we're going to worship him nonstop. We're going to enjoy it. It's going to be an awesome time. We're going to have a, 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 a powerful spiritual time when we get to heaven because God is there. God is not present in hell. And those who spend eternity in hell will be completely separated from the creator of the universe. This separation is more painful. It's more than any torment. It's worse than any torment that hell can provide on its own. It's the fact of being separated from God. God does not desire that anyone should perish. And through his unconditional love, he's provided us a way to spend eternity in heaven. And God loves us. And he provided us a way. He loves us so much. He didn't want anybody to go to hell. He wants everybody to go to heaven to be with him. That's what he's, he offered us heaven as a free gift. Salvation is not earned and it's not deserved. We didn't deserve anything he offered us. But John 3.16 makes a promise of eternal life. and says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Ephesians 2.8 says this, by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Man is a sinner and cannot save himself. We needed a Savior. We needed a Savior. We need one to come into our heart. Romans 3.23 says this. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin creates a separation between us and God. And we can't get to him and he can't get to us without a solution. And Jesus Christ is the solution that he provided for us. He sent Jesus Christ to this earth. To, to walk every step, 33 plus years, every step to the cross for you and for me. Romans 10, 13 says this, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And whoever is a good word, it doesn't mean anything about you. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You call on him, you invite him into your heart, and he is just, and he'll come in there. Friends, when our time on this earth is over, we're going to spend eternity in one of two places. And we just spent time talking about both of those places. But we're going to spend eternity in one of those two places. And if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I urge you to make that decision today. Let me tell you something. There may be, may be people in here right now that say, you know, I think I'm saved. Well, let me tell you, the Bible says you can know you're saved. You don't have to think about anything. When you think about, well, I was just a little kid. I was young. Or maybe I didn't know what I'm talking about. Let me tell you something. Lay it at the feet of Jesus. Turn it back over to the Lord. If you have any question about it, you lay it on God this morning, and he'll, he'll, he'll clear it up for you. I can promise you that. Romans 10.9 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's simple as that. If you open your heart, and you invite Jesus Christ into your heart, then he's just. You see, he'll come in. The Holy Spirit will come in. But there's going to be a change that takes place. There's going to be a repentance issue. You don't want to do the things that you once did. Let me tell you something. The difference of being saved and not being saved is knowing when you sin and knowing that it was wrong. When you can sin and it doesn't bother you, that's when you need to think about it. But when it bothers you and when you understand that it was wrong, that's what, you, that's what you're wanting to find out. But let me tell you something. This is it. You can, if you don't know Jesus Christ, in a moment we're going to have a hymn of invitation. I'd love to share more with you about him. Maybe there's, there's those in here today that say, hey, you know, I need, to, I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. 
There's nothing wrong with that. I'll be at the front. The altar is open. If you want to come down and lay it at Jesus, you just come down and lay it. He wants to hear from you this morning. Let me tell you something. During our invitation, this is a time of, of vertical conversation. This is a time when you talk to, the, to, to God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Whatever the issue is, you, you just deal with it. And you talk to him about it. I'll be here for you. I'd love to pray with you. Our deacons will be here. They'd love to pray with you. Whatever the decision you have, whatever time you need, this is a time with you and the Father. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you, God, just with a humble heart. Father, I thank you for the promises that are in your word. I thank you for who you are. God, I just thank you for, for Jesus. And God, if there's one person in the sound of my voice that does not know you as personal Lord and Savior this morning, God, I pray that this day would be the day that they would come to know you. Father, for others in our congregation, God, if there's others dealing with, with issues, dealing with medical, dealing with personal issues, God, I just pray that you would know in that situation that they would feel your presence. God, I just pray that you would love on us. And Father, that you would meet us here today. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.